All right. Welcome to Album versus Album, everybody. I'm your co-host, Kale Judy, and with me, as always, is the luscious and levacious Lucas J. Lawrence. Good alliteration. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Album versus Album. And today, our guest is none other than Jordan Clausen. Jordan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So Jordan is a longtime friend of the pod. He had a new record come out in the late spring in May called Tell Me What to Do. Very exciting. Has also put out uh, classics like Big Intruder and Javelin. Jordan, how you, uh, how's the record doing? It's doing good, all things considered, I think. Um, it's uh, maybe the worst time. I released the record maybe the worst time ever in the history of music to release a record. It's, I mean... Yeah, it's a horrible year to put out music, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah, streaming's great. Usually you do all kinds of things to help kind of promote it, like touring and showcasing and traveling. But all things that are basically illegal now. Yeah. Yeah. So none of those things can happen, but I, I still think that, it, yeah, all things considered, done, got some radio and all that, so... Well, yeah. now that I'm technically a low-key music critic... I think I can say, I can speak with some low-key authority and say it's a great record. And uh, if you haven't heard it, you should listen to it. available on all the uh the major spots where you'd find music I, has um, anyone told you what to do yet no i'm still waiting <laughs> Darn. this it was interesting with this record because you were on a label for the last i guess several records and then this record you released independently right mm -hmm. yeah i left my label in 2018 and yeah i mean that's a long story that i won't get into but it, um, this one was my first independent since 2011, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Would that be your first record since your first record? No, that was my, I put out a lot of records over the years, but that was my, I think, uh, my second record was an EP that I did independently. And then 2013, I released one called Repentance. That was my first label release. Ah. And in this sort of odd quarantine time, I'm curious as a non-musician, but a big fan of music, how are you feeling your days you're a you're a producer i am a producer uh so i work with bands that i like um I, I it's kind of a i have my fingers in like a lot of pies so um production is one that i've kind of i started out doing a lot of production where it was like i would take whatever i could get because it's real money but recently i've kind of been like no you know what i'm just gonna do 
I'm just going to do stuff I like. So I, yeah, I've, I've, I actually did been working on Lucas's record. I was going to say that makes me feel good to know you're just doing stuff you like to know that you've been working on my record. Yeah, it's true. It is true. And then I also write for like film and TV. For, it's, it's a, it's called um, writing for sync. So I have a publisher who pitches my songs for commercials and stuff. And I kind of build a catalog of music that um, is often requested by music supervisors. Um, and then I do a little bit of scoring too. Yeah. Oh, wow. A few little documentaries I've done here and there. Um, just we just did some stuff on uh, an, an a, a I think it's A and E Burt Reynolds documentary. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, um, Burt Reynolds had the nice mustache, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, isn't he like? What didn't he have that famous like? Is it Playgirl? Where he's like, I just remember some Google imageries just lounging like a tiger with just like his hairy chest on mm-hmm. a red velvet. Well, I remember Very I, hairy chest, yeah. It's got to be Burt Reynolds. When we got married, my wife, Rena, wanted me to have a mustache for the wedding. She loves mustaches. She's sort of getting over it now, thank God, because functioning in the world with a mustache is difficult. After so, how long? Like eight years of marriage? She's getting she's over it She's finally getting over seven years. Seven years. Uh, but uh, when she said, I want you to have a mustache, like a nice one, I was like, well, show me a reference photo. And it was a photo of Burt Reynolds. And I remember being like, oh, wow, the king of mustaches himself, Burt Reynolds. So I'm pretty sure it's him. So, Jordan, one thing I was curious about, having known your music for a long time, you have very good music videos. Mm. I was curious if you could name a favorite music video. Of my own. Of your own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I we, well, we put out one um, just, uh, I guess, it was about a year ago now, actually, but uh, for my song... Virtuous Circle, which is from this new record. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just kind of a work of art. I mean, I, I don't, I, I take agree. a lot of credit for it, but I, I shouldn't because it's mostly my friend Farad and the production company we work with boldly and they just really killed it. Um, there's there a big budget. We got a big grant and <clears throat> I think a lot of people cry when they watch it. I cried when I first watched it. Oh man, it's, it's beautiful. It's like a, it's like a short film, really. It's uh, it's got the lead from Mama, like Xavier Dolan. I think I'm saying yeah, that right. Mommy. Xavier Dolan. Yeah, Mommy. Yeah, from it's like the lead from that film, right? Yeah. He's like the brother in Antoine Olivier Pelle. Pel- yeah, and he's amazing. Yeah, it? yeah. And he smokes so much. I was like, is he in Canada? Like it feels feels like Europe. <laughs> like there's so- yeah. Well, he's a he's a Quebecois guy, oh. so they all smoke like dogs out there. That uh, <laughs> that is a great answer because you've also done quite a few videos, which uh. For the new record, they're amazing. Yeah, well, that is this this that song's actually on the new record. So oh, right, it's, it was technically the first single from the record. And yeah. actually, a lot of your old videos, I think, would be like people would consider them unique and uh, thoughtful. Yeah, I actually don't think I have. I mean, if I may say so myself, I don't think I have a dud. No, I, I don't I, think I, so. And that's honestly just because I just happen to always like make really talented friends and people who like. I think my music suits cinema as well, and so. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I would. My personal favorite is probably the first one I saw, which is the horses are stuck with mm. the where are the wild things are esque. Sam's creature in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or whatever that creature's called. Yeah, that's a great video. I showed Rena that one, my wife, and I believe she cried at that one as well. Yeah. Also, the one you did with John Voth. Identification. Yeah. 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 The uh, the Muppets really got me. That yeah. One. Yeah, that was yeah our 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 mutual friend John Voth is just a guy who's really good at doing a lot with not a lot. Like, I think the budget was like 5,000 bucks and he just pulled in all favors and 
yeah, we had, I think there's like nine scenes, costume changes, and yeah. A haircut too. Yeah, I cut my hair for it, yeah. Your haircut went from like 12 inches long to like. To a buzz cut. To like, yeah, like yeah. a quarter inch. Yeah. Very cool stuff. I love it. That's a real commitment to your art. One other uh, Colossal question for you. Mm-hmm. In the vein of uh, favorites, I always, ever since I was a teenager and started going to shows, I love merch. Mm. I'm curious if you have a favorite piece of merch. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I good question. So, so I was in this thing uh, called the Peak Performance Project, like in 2013 or 2012, maybe it was. Which this is, is how I came to discover you. Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's a big thing in Vancouver. It was a big thing in Vancouver. Basically, this like artist development slash battle, huge battle of bands, twenty bands, local BC bands are chosen, and you do challenges and a boot camp, like a music education thing, and then in the end they give away a whole bunch of money. Anyway, um, so one of the challenges was to create a unique mer- merch item for your brand, and mine was for my record, Repentance, and it was a I I talked to I think twelve different artists and had each one make a piece of art for each song and then we re- and then we sold these um art books as kind of merch they were like art lyric books so oh yeah. wow that's um, awesome i see yeah and so i think i've always thought that's that's a great idea and i yeah i've never done it again because it was really expensive but yeah that's probably my fave uh, what's uh what's next for you jordan what's like uh what's what's your next uh, endeavor as a as an artist yeah, I'm working on a new record. Um, I'm finishing your record. It's in mix. As a mixing artist, yes. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. I, I can't wait for it to be done um, because then I won't have to see your ugly mug anymore. Yeah, I was about to, I was about to make a joke about that. <laughs> you took it away. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm working on a new record. I think that next year is going to be just the year of... like there, So everyone is going to release records because nobody can, no artist can do anything. Usually you spend a lot of time on the road, mm-hmm. you know, like more more than you want. And now that's just taken away, so I think there's just going to be a flood of new music next yeah. year. I want to be a smart man, and so I play the part, laughing like an animal, the only one who gets the joke. I gotta tell you something, I'm shooting in the dark, only read the prologue, filling up the room with smoke. Honestly, so Jordan, so glad you're here. Um, yes, very glad very, you're here, Jordan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very glad nice. we're here in your studio. Mm. Yeah, first podcast recorded in a real studio. So, uh, so the reason everyone is here today, um, along with Jordan being on the pod, is uh, we're talking about Radiohead. So, this is an interesting one for I think everyone in the room because, and probably for a lot of people listening, because Radiohead is a is a pretty unique band for I think a lot of folks in that. And I'm curious to hear you guys' background because Radiohead is a band that means a lot to a lot of people, mm-hmm. more so than most bands. And I am not one of those people. Respect Radiohead a ton, have been aware of them and, and heard them since high school, but they never were like one of my bands, mm. if you will. And I'm really curious to hear about you guys are both, uh, you know, unabashed Radiohead fans, um, which will make this very interesting. And, uh, but I'm curious here, like what, you know, for you, Lucas, like what drew you into Radiohead when you're in high school or younger? Uh, a little bit younger. So it all starts for me with uh, Big Shiny Tunes too. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. So, uh, if you're not Canadian, Big Shiny Tunes was a 
compilation CD made by Much Music, which is like our shitty version of MTV. Um, no shade, but that's true, right? I, I think it had its day when it was actually better than MTV. I, I Actually, I agree. There was a time when it actually was more of a music video mm-hmm. station than MTV mm-hmm. was. But now it's... Uh, I don't even know if it's... I mean... Well, maybe not now, but the last time I checked, it was mostly reality TV shows. But in our heyday, you had The Wedge, you had George Trombolopoulos, Bradford Hell, like... Electric um, Circus? Yeah. Is that what it was called? Yeah. The Wedge, man, that was like every Friday night we stayed up late to watch that. Yeah. I loved it. So I remember they put out Big Shiny Tunes 2, and on it was like, you know, the Prodigy and Blur song 2, and... And I remember knowing who Radiohead was, and I, I just, I remember this girl at my school saying, I was like, oh, the, we were talking about the CD, and she was like, oh, like, my favorite song is, is later on the album. And I was like, I hope it's not that Radiohead song. And she was like, it is, because that song gets really cool at the end. And I remember, I remember going home from school, and skipping to that song and listening to the entire song for the first time because the song starts one way and ends What's very differently it's paranoid android oh yeah and the mm. you know as the ref yeah. and by the end of it i was like i remember coming back to school the next day and being like you're right that song's awesome and that was kind of it for a long time that was grade seven and i i, I knew of radiohead but i just you know i was like pop punk christian ska music i was all about like Horrible stuff, you know, mm-hmm. really horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a place. Deep, dark stuff in my life. Um, I still got a real big fish record. It was all nonstop, like MXPX and OC Supertones, and it, it, not nothing I'm proud of. Project and 86. A little bit of Project 86. They were too hard for me back then, though, mm-hmm. you know? Drawing black lines. If it wasn't happy mm-hmm. and, and all about Jesus, then I was like, no, that's too dark. Yeah. I came around on a lot of the more hardcore and, and, and darker sounding bands. Uh, later in life, but um, it wasn't until uh, grade 10 when my friend Matt Gibson had purchased Kid A when it came out, and I, again, I was aware, and he said, uh, do you want to borrow it? And I was like, sure, whatever, I'll borrow it. And the album art cover's really cool on Kid A, and I was like, cool, I'll, I'll listen to it tomorrow. But then I got home, and I put it in my compact disc, which I'd hooked up to like my dad's old amplifier to speakers, and I pushed play, and I think it was like you know 9 o'clock or something, and I listened to it once in my room and then just laid on the floor and listened to it again, reading the, reading the lyrics and just looking at the album art, which was like back in the day, if, if you'd never got to experience it, the album art was amazing and it, it was a very good companion to the sounds. And uh, just lying on my floor listening to it and being like, this is incredible. And then like days later going out and buying every Raiderhead record I could find. Pablo Honey, bit of a surprise for me, but you know, the Benz, yeah. uh, uh, OK Computer, and uh, Amnesiac also was out at that time. Um, so I just, I was floored. I was like, I became like an instant convert. And I was like, I have this amazing memory of being in school. And there was a new song by a, a Canadian band called Our Lady Peace. Mm. And this girl was like, this song's awesome. Like, listen to this song. And I remember being like, you think that's awesome? Listen to this. And playing I Might Be Wrong. And her being like, this song sucks. And I'm pretty sure I said something along the lines of like, you don't know good music, which is amazing. <laughs> or like, you wouldn't know good music if it hit you on the side of the head. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Katrina, if you're listening. I'm sure she So yeah, you. so I was a convert. And then uh, I remember when uh, Hail to the Thief came out, I actually lined up outside of HMV 
the day it came out and everyone in that lineup uh, in the mall was there to buy Hail to the Thief. And mm. it, I remember I skipped school uh, the second half of the day and just uh, with my friend Matt and we just listened to the album. So, yeah. So I, And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I've never really looked back since. So that's me and Radiohead. Hmm. How about you, Jordan? Yeah, so I was, oh man, it must have been like grade 10. My family moved to Calgary and I was just kind of a sullen, angsty teenager. Well, yeah, your family made you move to Calgary. Of course you were. Yeah. Um, And so actually we moved to this little town outside of Calgary called Airdrie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just, uh, I was at the time was like really into just kind of like whatever Sea Fox played. So I was really into Nickelback and anything that was kind of, I felt like was kind of like alternative rock. Yeah, sure. Um, And then I remember being like, I I remember thinking I need some music to listen to, to feel lonely to. And I I remembered that um, I Might Be Wrong was a single on the Sea Fox that I always really liked. And I liked how it was like, I remember saying to my friend, I like how they, they make it sound like his voice is an instrument. And so, Ooh, that's deep. Yeah. And so then I went and bought Amnesiac and I listened to it and I think I was genu- genuinely like, oh my goodness. Like, it, I, for me, I think the reason why I'm a big Radiohead fan is just that was my, my turning point where I was like, wow, music can be so, it can just kind of open your imagination and uh, inspire you in ways that I didn't even know, you know? Sorry, mm-hmm. so am I hearing you right that your like exposure to them first was Amnesiac? Your first record? Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I remember, I'm not, I don't want to cut your story off, but I just remember my friend Chad being like, you know, this record's amazing and, and us talking about it and, and him saying something like, sad music is the best music. And me being like, yes, yes, Chad, it is the best music. <laughs> I might yeah, be so wrong. I, I got into, I, I remember we went to the, this, this terrible little mall in Airdrie. I don't know if it's still there, but yeah, just, and the music store there and they had it there. I remember I bought it for whatever, like you bought a CD for like 20 bucks, 18 bucks, I think it was. And, um, then, yeah, I, I fell in love with it. Then my family went on this trip to the UK. Um, and we, when we were there, I saw Radiohead's Kid A in the window at a record store and I went in and bought it and, and I listened to it. I was like, there's more like this. Yeah. You know, like I couldn't believe it. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like this whole world is open to me. And so then I listened to that record the whole time. And so, yeah, that's why there's a special place in my heart, I think, for Radiohead. So Radiohead was the band that you felt like turned you on to, you know, arguably good music. Like going from Disturbed and uh, what was that Canadian band that was Creed? big on Sea Fox where they had the video where they're in a watch? Well, this is not for real. Wasting my time. Wasting my default. Oh, yeah. default. Default in like Theory of a <laughs> Dead Man. I love that song. I yeah. love that song, man. This is not for real, free to feel. That's that one, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, I remember my youth pastor saying, Everyone go around, let's let's uh, do an icebreaker. Tell us what your favorite song is. And people were saying, oh, This song. And my youth pastor was like, Mine is Wasting My Time by Default. And me being like, My youth pastor is cool. <laughs> what a cool dude. <laughs> I mean, it was a cool song. I would say for me, like in high school, I knew of Radiohead. I had one of my best friends was this guy, Chris Keen, who uh, I became friends with in a history class. And he was this kind of like quiet dude. And we kind of bonded over like both liking history and uh, 
he cool. <laughs> was that cool. But he had like great tasted music for the time. Like he loved Smashing Pumpkins and he loved Radiohead. I think he, uh, I don't know if he loved Our Lady Peace, but like, oh, and he liked Tool too. He loved Tool. Mm. But uh, anything proggy and complicated and like complex, he loved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he really loved Radiohead. And I remember um, seeing Kid A in a magazine and thinking the cover was really cool. That artwork has always really stood out to me. And I remember cutting it out and I like taped it in my locker. And I heard, I definitely heard a couple songs. And I remember people in the hallways talking about, dude, did you hear like Tom York? He just like cut up the lyrics and put them in a hat and just picked out lyrics like at random. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like To be honest, reading the, re- reading the lyrics this time around, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe he did just pull these out of a hat <laughs> at random sometimes. Mm. Like stuff that just blew my mind as a child. I'm like, a child, as a teen. I'm like, these are so amazing. And now I'm like, oh, he like literally just pulled these out of a hat and sang them. Yeah, maybe. But I still think, <laughs> I still think like it's more coherent than something like Bon Iver, you know, mm-hmm. which, oh, which yeah. feels like to- truly random. Whereas this still kind of feels like he's saying words that feel like something. They don't really tell a story, but it's like more impressionist. Yeah, vibey. Yeah. And, and they all work. Part of the reason I think for. Me that Radiohead never became one of my my bands is because uh, that I feel like especially in high school that's so important. Like you are, I would be very curious to talk to a young person <laughs> now if this is similar, which I feel like it is. But I felt like when I really like me and my brother fell in love with music at like a fairly similar time. Oh, phew. And yeah, we, I, I was like, <laughs> you guys fell in love? <laughs> no, no, no. We it was funny because we I was homeschooled till high school. Like I'd never gone mm. to public school in my life. And we also lived in a really small town in Saskatchewan. And then when we moved to Manitoba, to Brandon, um, I started going to this public high school that was twice the size of the town that I had lived in before. Whoa! So it was like not only like going from like having my a kind of mostly complete run of my own educational pathway, like my mom had like kind of an agenda and we had books we worked through. There were certain things I like I've never been a, someone who engaged with math very well, but like I could kind of find my own way into it in some degree. And now going to high school, not only was it like you're surrounded by people, I had never worn a pair of not ever, but like I didn't I don't think I owned a pair of jeans going into high school. Like I just was like a sweatpant aficionado. Oh, wow, yeah. Until like the classic idea of like wearing sweatpants, <laughs> yeah. Like I grew up uh, in a very like fairly conservative Christian household and I had a lot of t shirts that had like you know, like I had a shirt that was like the 2000 Godzilla movie. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of green blasted out logo of Godzilla. But instead of Godzilla, it said God is love with a Z. Nice. Oh, wow. I wore that yeah. to school. Wow. And <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I used to wear a shirt that looked like the Orange Crush logo, but it said Christ. You had that shirt? I remember, yeah. dude, I remember Do that you? Shirt. Did anyone come to the Lord through those shirts? <laughs> you know what's weird? No. <laughs> no one converted to my faith. Wow. Oh, that's that. too bad. I... All that to say, I would say, like, I was so on the outside of stuff that, like, it took me, honestly, a couple of years to kind of get into um, even just sort of, like, more of a semblance of, like, social norms. Mm-hmm. And, but I remember, like, I was so close, I think, to Radiohead being a very important band for me. But uh, what really connected with me at the time was, like, um, going to local punk shows and, like, was, you know, like, a lot of pop punk, a lot of stuff that was, like, so embarrassing to say now, but like it was in the quote unquote the scene thing, and mm-hmm. like, but I just really connected with like Fall Out Boy and like Saves the Day and all these bands where it was like it was just a little more heavy on the emotion and uh, 
light on the subtlety. You know, that was my <laughs> interesting. You t- uh, so you would you think that something like that is more heavy on the emotion than Radiohead? I would say it's more blatant in its emotion. Well, it's, it's it's it hits you over the head with its emotion, whereas you know, I I think there's some very emotional stuff on this. See, that's what I would actually say now. Kind of really spending time with it, it's v- like kind of Radiohead's pretty emo on some songs. Yeah, you yeah, know, totally. It's almost like it's there's like two types of emotion, and one is like a cheap, easy emotion, and one is like a more costly emotion. And yeah. I, I do feel like a lot of that emo stuff that I gravitated towards, it was like chewing bubblegum. You got the flavor right away, versus like. Uh, like it was bubblegum, yeah. but it wasn't like that, like cool mint or something where it like takes. Yeah, but I think Radiohead still, if they have a flaw, it's that they can sometimes border on the gum being just like a little too bitter. You know, like so bitter that it's like sometimes like unbelievable. Like, come on, Tom. <laughs> you know, like you have you have a family and you're probably you probably have a lot of money. You have a studio. You know, your life is pretty good. You're not this sad. But you know? maybe he just sees the sadness. And that's what he writes about. Yeah, that's just, yeah, I'm just, that's just a Dude, caveat for Oh, I fully agree. <laughs> like, the only, what's the only happy song I think they've ever written? Uh, I mean, the I guess, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Pablo Honey, there's a song called When I, uh, when I get, no, When I Get to Heaven, no. Thinking About You is kind of happy, actually. You know I song? Promise, the, the, the B-side from OK Computer was like a kind of a love song. Been thinking about you and da, da, da. the song I'm thinking about is called uh, Anyone Can Play Guitar. Oh, yeah, that's a great song. I want to be in a band when I get to heaven. Anyone can play guitar. It's like it's almost like a pop punk Nirvana song, or yeah, something. yeah. It's really weird when you when you listen to these two albums and you go back to that song, yeah, it feels like a different band, yeah. One of the things I think is so interesting about what we're about to talk about, what happened. Kid A and Amnesiac is that Radiohead got to this place where people were critics and fans were saying, you know, this is this band is doing what no band can really do with guitars. Like this is a guitar-based rock band, but like they're pushing the boundaries everywhere. Like mm-hmm. if you listen to OK Computer, it's very weird and alien and creative and unique and ambient, and they don't really use things the way that you would expect them to use them or do things the way you'd expect them. And so I think it's very interesting that after such a big smash hit and critically acclaimed and award-winning album like OK Computer, they went almost the opposite way. And they were like, when we put them, the guitars are there, but they put them down mm-hmm. for a big way and they made these records. Now, yeah. I do want to put a little caveat in here that this is the very first album versus album episode where we're actually doing an album versus an album. Yeah, this is... Uh... This is something that a lot of people have asked us about, and part of the reason we have not done this every episode is that we felt like uh, Lucas and I just like to get along, and we felt mm. like it would be more interesting to talk about how does one album stack up, or how does it stand up versus all of the other records in an artist's catalog. But what we are doing now, which we will hear on occasion, is we will do these Duke Out episodes where we will take... Sometimes, two records, and this is especially uh, poignant with these two albums so we are duking out kid a and amnesiac and uh 
I think it's time to move to our next section to sort of uh, say where we stand. How are we going to duke them out? Okay, like again, like I, this this needs a lot of preface, and and I think that maybe this is this is an interesting one to start with, kind of going head to head with, because I think. Um, Again, these are all in the same sessions. Yeah, so, so basically, uh, the Radiohead, release dates. The release dates. Uh, I think they were about a year apart. I think 2000 was Kid A and 2001 was... Okay, mm-hmm. okay. okay. No. Um, so, yeah. Um, what I was going to say was, I think that, yeah, because they were recorded in the same sessions, there's certainly like a similar spirit. I think that the way they saw it was that as they were recording the sessions, which I think they recorded even more songs than are on these records... Um, they chose songs that they felt worked right together and, and um, suited similar lyrical and sonic themes. Um, I think one of the reasons I'm partial to Amnesiac is I just like prefer the themes. Mm-hmm. Kid A is more about... Um, it's depressing. It's, it's, Kid, yeah, Kid A is more like a dystopian, a dystopian vision of like te- technology and how technology will fail us. Like Kid A... Is, is supposed to, what is what Tom York named the first cloned person. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and like you said about like um, like the the mountains, uh, the artwork with the mountains and the, the ice melting, and uh, I I think that that this kind of thing is not something I'm that inclined to, as far as like a theme. Again, like I don't, I'm not, I don't even want to really fight this because I love this record too so much. Yeah, well, so do we. I mean, this is a really hard battle because <laughs> yeah. we're we're basically choosing between like cake and ice cream. It's like I like yeah. both a lot. I I just think that like if if I'm gonna choose one that I prefer, I think that Amnesiac is more just the the kind of themes that I that I love. Here, this is a quote from um, Tom York about about what it's about. <laughs> um, he says, I read that the Gnostics believe that when we are born, we are forced to forget where we have come from in order to deal with the trauma of arriving in this life. I thought this was really fascinating. It's like the river of forgetfulness. Amnesiac may have been recorded at the same time as Kid A, but it comes from a different place, I think. It sounds like an like finding an old chest in someone's attic with all these notes and maps hmm. and drawings and descriptions of going to a place you cannot remember. And that just is kind of my, more my bag. Like, I feel like, if anything, that's kind of what I'm aspiring to, even as a songwriter. I love this kind of sense of, like, oldness and mystery and even kind of, like, sacredness. Mm. Um, I, I'm more interested in pulling from the past in some way or making people feel connected to um, an old place over looking forward towards... Um, all the to all that might fall apart, which I think is also interesting, just not as interesting. Yeah. I will say that when you when you talk that way, I, I think about Amnesiac as more of an emotional companion to Kid A, whereas Kid A, other than a few songs like uh, like How to Disappear Completely, which is definitely a sad sad song, mm-hmm. I feel like it sometimes feels a little void of emotion, whereas Amnesiac feels like brimming with emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, that was going to be my second point. I only have two points. The other point is that Amnesiac, I think, is more of like a band record. It's mm-hmm. less um, driven by um, synths and kind of electronic experimentation in the studio, which I think that Radiohead end up going there anyway, in, in like in Rainbows. And so I think that it's more, it's more part of Radiohead's soul in a sense because 
th- there are songs like Knives Out, which are just band songs um, that are still interesting and weird, mm-hmm. but um, they they're they're just I think they they more embody what Radiohead does, whereas Kid A was a great experiment that I love. If you know if if Amnesia is my favorite record ever, then Kid A is my second favorite record. Ever. <laughs> but I just think that like Kid A was a little bit more in the direction of experimentation, and then Amnesiac feels like it kind of pulled back to a resting place that's really at the heart of Radiohead. That's really interesting to hear you say that because I feel like when I listen to Amnesiac, there are certain songs like it's weird because Amnesiac has songs like Pyramid Song, mm-hmm. and like you said, Knives Out, and even like Morning Bell, which are these like kind of bangers in a way but then they're mixed in with like the opener packed like sardines in a crushed tin box which is a crazy song I love that song it's a crazy song and hunting bears and like these like yeah. really wacky songs but then also like Kid A it's like you've got Tree Fingers which is just an ambient song there's no lyrics on it you know all. Tree Fingers and this maybe should be Tasty Treats Tree Fingers is just guitar feedback did you know that? no uh, so I always think of Radiohead as Tom York and Johnny Greenwood, but there's actually a bunch of other members. Did you know that? <laughs> like Johnny Greenwood's um, brother. Uh, what's the, the guitar player, Ed? Uh, Ed O'Brien. Ed O'Brien. That's Ed O'Brien and guitars. Tree fingers. Almost completely. Ed O'Brien is the secret weapon of Radiohead. Everyone overlooks him, but I think he... I think Ed O'Brien and uh, Basie McBaserson. What's his name? Colin Greenwood. Colin uh, Greenwood. The two of them, I think, are actually so underrated, but it's like it's just so hard because you have like too many mega personalities mm. but uh, yeah that's Ed O'Brien just, just mucking about on guitars mm. tree fingers which is incredible wow that there's is, no synth in that song that is wild that's what I read on the that's internet that's no synth that's all guitar that's feedback according to the internet wow. but I mean like to me like tree, a song like tree fingers and hunting bears are, are super similar yeah. they're just kind of like these instrumental breaks mm-hmm. that are a little bit odd kind of beautiful a little dissonant and this is something that I think is really interesting about songs like that, though, as a choice on these records is like you're saying something by not saying anything on a record mm-hmm, that's like mm-hmm. right in the middle of your record, too. You know, like you're creating a lot of space for everything else. Um, it's it's a very interesting. I think those are both great points you make, Jordan, about uh, where Amnesiac stands. I especially find it interesting that you view it as more of a, a full band record. Like, do you feel like Kid A is more Tom York? really like being like overbearing on things or do you think it's more it's still it's a band thing but um amnesiac is just a bit more loose or it's a little bit more open i think that i don't yeah i do think that kid a is more tom york because tom york if you even listen to his solo stuff it's like it's very influenced by kind of like dark uk yes. electronic music like burial or something gotcha. and i think kid a is very burial like it sounds like he's played they spent hours playing around with like old drum machines and just kind of fucking them up however they can. Um, whereas Amnesiac is certainly, to me anyway, it, it feels more like they're just like, it, it, it feels more like it's easy to trace a line between Amnesiac and like something like In Rainbows than it is from well, K.A. E- to In Rainbows. Well, even OK Computer, I mean, Amnesiac definitely has a few tracks that really do feel more like a follow-up to... Okay, computer. Then, 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 Kid A. Like for example, like Pyramid Song could mm. be on Kid A, in my opinion. Yeah, it could have fit on there, but it makes more sense on Amnesiac because there's songs like I Might Be Wrong or even like You and Who's Army that could be off Okay, Computer. It's just classic radio. It's just them writing a 
like dirgy song and mm-hmm. it's simple lyrics weird chords weird melodies and just like kind of the whole thing just drags in this like magnificent way i like i love that song but don't you think that amnesiac's a little bit more like a songwriter or it feels like more like the songs are a little more classic they're more like yes. kind of like songwriter songs whereas kid a feels a little more like uh experimental songwriting well okay here's the question uh, i mean okay yes i i do think i agree with you in that it's more classic but like a perfect example would be morning mill which version do you like better because it's on both records. The yeah. version on Amnesiac to me is kind of boring, whereas the version on Okay or <laughs> the version on Kid A I like a lot. Money I think they're I, I actually think they're equal. I, I like both of them. That's the same. Whoa. You you think you pref- you think that's a better one? Um that one, yeah. That's because you're Fallout Boy days. <laughs> no, he's the follow up my guy. I'm the, I'm, the, okay. I'm, the I'm MXPX. Yeah, yeah, that's because you're MXPX. Like, I love like if a band can can pull off a song with no drums. Honestly, I got a big boner every time. <laughs> Good for you. Um, or is there drums in the Amnesiac version? I should not really. They're more like they're subtle. So a few things about Kid A that really just blew my. I mean. What an opener. Everything in its right place. Now, this one's a bit weird because this has nothing to do with Radiohead and more to do with Tom Cruise, but do you remember the movie Vanilla, Vanilla Sky? Yeah. And it opened with the song Everything in its oh, Right Place when yeah. he wakes up. And he's I would say t- Everything in its... Sorry, just... just sorry to no, no. Um, I would say Everything me. in its Right Place is my biggest threat. Just yeah, that song dude. alone is it's like... It's an amazing It's song. so, so good. Like, oh, it's amazing. There is. I don't think there's any songs as good as that. On Amnesiac. However, I think Amnesiac as a whole is a better record. Anyway. I think, you know, you have a song like How to Disappear completely. I mean, I used to lie in my bed listening to that song just like forgetting I existed. It was like just the emo, the depths of emo that no emo band could bring me. Radiohead could do that. Um, I think songs like National Anthem, it's very happy, but it's also very twisted. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. Like songs like In Limbo, I love. They they kind of remind me of like sort of uh, like almost cigarros or like uh, some of the lo-fi indie bands where it's still feels like Radiohead, but they're doing something totally unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite Radiohead songs of all time is Optimistic. Do you, did you do you guys remember the commercials? They used to have these commercials, uh, an advertisement for Kid A, and it was like those weird stick figures. And they were like fighting. It was kind of like the music video. Oh yeah. And and it would have a clip of Optimistic. And I remember being in my grandma's basement. She had like a Nintendo and a TV, and she'd go to bed. And me and my cousins would stay up and watch like much music or play NES. <sighs> Mr. Bragg's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I had a great childhood. <laughs> and I remember seeing the ad for that. And I just I can't I, I cannot I'll never forget my cousin. It was the the two stickmen like fighting, and my cousin was like, "That's a weird song." And I remember just thinking, like, secretly, like, I can't wait to hear that record. Like, there's that part, like, I really, really like to help you now. And that was all mm. it was, just like a clip, like, mm. buy the album now, available at HMV. Yeah. Um, I also think, like, songs like uh, Motion Picture Soundtrack is, is, like, some of the most beautiful stuff Radiohead's ever done. Like, I think it's so full and complete and almost overwhelming and I, and so i just i that's that's my argument for kid a i just think it 
it takes you up and down on this journey. Where I feel more like amnesiac is like, I'm not all of it, but there's definitely parts where I just feel like you're you're in the jam space with Radiohead and you're like, they're a band again, which is cool. I just I I for me, uh, Kid A just takes me to places that I I. Uh, I, w I long to go again, and very few bands can bring me there. Very, very few mm. artistic pieces can do that. It is very interesting to me that when Amnesiac came out for the people at the time, and this is the thing you got to kind of like time travel back a bit in your mind, because back then it's like Radiohead was, I mean, they're huge now, but they were huge in a way that like social media didn't exist, and people were yeah. talking about them in the hallways of your mall or yeah, high in school. between their sips of orbits <laughs> exactly Do you remember those drinks oh i loved orbits yeah <laughs> what was it tapioca i don't want to know i never touched yeah, that stuff are you allowed to homeschool uh we just slurpied we oh, were just nice, a slurpy yeah. family yeah, well. a lot of time at 7-eleven but uh i would say that it was it's wild to me to think back on when people were like anyway just the fact that it was like before a lot of the stuff that sort of clouds our day-to-day -day lives now but this was a very present thing when Kid A came out, and I think a lot of people were both like either into it or like this is not OK Computer Two, you know. So they're like, um, I'm maybe into it, or maybe not. And then, but people are holding out they're like, oh, there's a second record, Amnesiac, and it kind of got promoted a bit. Like, don't worry, yes. it isn't Kid A. Yeah. And then it came out, and people were like, what the fuck? That was yes. that, was that like, really the branding? Is, I was reading about that today, actually, that there was a huge disappointment because a lot of Radiohead fans were waiting for, actually, like, or yeah, another OK Computer. Like a and, rock and record. And when Amnesiac came out, they were like, oh, this is really, like, just the same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's not. It's it's different from today. It Kid is different. But you're right I, in that I it's like... I think it's very different, yeah. It's, it's, it's true, though, that it's not a... It's definitely not OK Computer. And they've never really gone back to that, which I, I got a lot of respect for for. But yeah. if it, but there are a lot of, there's a lot of gold there if you're ready for it. But I just like that they were so quick to, to buck, like what was expected. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that's actually one of the, that's the true, like, it, there's a difference between kind of having, like, a, a, a musical revelatory experience with with an artist. Like, I have that with, like, on, on this other band, The Shins, also. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved mm. the, the two of their records just really meant so much Shoots to me. Shoots to narrow? But I don't think they, like, are as iconic in my mind, in my life, because they, I mean, this is arguable, and I'm really sorry if you love, if you love The Shins to this day but I, I just kind of feel like it just kind of did the same thing for a long time and I just lost interest whereas I think that Tom York's whole philosophy and the band's whole philosophy is just fascinating to me like where most bands I think are constantly struggling with this idea of like how can I maintain some success how can I continue to pay my bills um, how can I um, keep people coming to my shows I, I truly think that Radiohead really really ignores that and really um like I, I listened to an interview with tommy york recently where he just said the guy asked him like what are you doing when you go to the studio like what's what's happening when you're making new things and he's just like 
I'm just trying to forget everything I know and surprise myself again, basically, hmm. which is just so awesome to me. Like there's so few artists actually who have the balls yeah. to do that. So. Yeah. Um, but that like proves why we love him. It's like, I want to be surprised, Tom York. Yeah. So like, thank God you are the type of person to just, to do that and not be like, well, Creep was a hit, so let's try and do that again. Yeah. Because the world would not be the they same. They hate Creep. Yeah. I, I understand why. What, what was the song they wrote that was a response to Creep? Like, because they felt weighed down by it. Was it was that Iron Lung? Is that a... Oh, or it could be. They, no, they wrote Iron a response the song record, to... I think. But they wrote a response song to oh, Creep. Oh, no, that, that makes sense. Because Iron Lung is off of Ben's and Creep was uh, Pablo Honey. So probably, yeah. Was it was okay? I, I mean, dude, Ben's is a great record too. It's totally it a rock is. record as well, but it's great. It's mm -hmm. it's they're starting to show signs of being wild. Um, you know what? What just to what you said? It's I think that is what has kept me so interested is like the the never ending quest to just like beat what you've done before and just go places mm -hmm. you haven't gone. It's really cool. Like I know with Kid A, they um. But uh, I don't even know. If, sorry, I don't even know. If beat is the right word because I think yeah, sometimes be bands can like you can tell a band was trying to beat something, but it's just oh, it's just over. It's like they just it's just like masturbatory or something. Yeah. No, I think what I more mean is like is more the going going somewhere they hadn't gone. Before. Going yeah, going deeper. Definitely not beating yeah. it because I don't think that Radiohead thinks that way as a group. Um, yeah. But. Uh, I, I don't know how true this all is, but I've I've read it a few places that that they were so influenced by Aphex Twin on this record, and they like gave him writing credits on the record. I don't know how true it is. It's on the internet, so it must be true. So, uh, Tasty Treats, this is where we talk about our favorite uh, musical moments from either Kid A or Amnesiac. Uh, so, Lucas, why don't you start us out with uh, your Tasty Treat? Okay, so there's a, there, I mean, Radiohead, you could, we could do an entire podcast called Radiohead Tasty Treats because Radiohead is a band that really pushes their recording methods and, um, you know, Nigel Godrich is the producer of a lot of their records and um, most of them, right, Jordan? Like almost all of them. Yeah, he's they, they call him the sixth member of Radiohead. Yeah, so I mean, he's an amazing producer in his own right, but you know, he, he's he got his hands all over these records and I think he even plays with Radiohead Live a bunch and um, between them and him, I think they just, they're always trying to be innovative and trying to get new sounds and new creative ways of doing things. But I have a few tasty treats I wanted to throw in there, so. One of my personal favorites has always been the song National Anthem. So the legend is that the bass line, the, the famous bass line, which is very simple but iconic, uh, Tom York uh, apparently wrote that bass line when he was in high school. And that song really builds off that one bass line that never changes. It's mm. like 
something so simple just is so effective. But at the end of um, National Anthem, there's a horn section that comes in that feels at first very jarring, but it really fits the song. Like to me, it really elevates the song. And that is a group of uh, underground local jazz musicians from New York that Radiohead just invited into the studio and just kind of let them have their way with the song. And I think that's really cool. It really elevates the song to me. Mm. So that's, to me, the horn section in, in a national anthem is just a hmm. tasty, tasty treat. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing is the song um, on Amnesiac that is called Like Spinning Plates. Is a, re- a guitar track played that they took. You took it, mine. You stole mine. They reversed That's what it. I was going to do. They yeah. reversed it. For so, which song? And later they played the guitar track normal and on Hail to the Thief released it as a song called I Will. Yeah. Which is actually one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. But what's so great is that I Will, the song that's in Forward, yeah. uh, that's on the next record. So they, they gave you the backwards version first and yeah. made a whole weird song out of it called Like Spinning Plates, which is a great song. But you know what what I what else I love about and I was gonna say this too, like so I, I will a song they wrote a long time ago and they had always kind of tried to make it work and again they were like trying to make it work for Kid A and then they were like it wasn't working. Somebody had the idea of playing it backwards, like you said, and and Tommy York's like, Oh, this is a better song, backwards. And so for me, if I if I was in that scenario, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna write a new melody and sing that over top. You know, like the backwardsness is enough weirdness as it is. But no, Radiohead actually then gets Tom York to learn the song backwards, and that vocal is actually a reversed vocal. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, it's he he learned how to sing the song, like the word he learned how to say the words backwards, sang it, and then they reversed that, and that's that's the lyric. The, That is so insane, and that That's also so cool. has a crazy confluence with something I just, I went on a big uh, sort of random deep dive on Spike Jones the other day, and he does this great interview with this like skate crew called The Nine Club, who also have a great podcast where they just interview like skate legends, and I love skateboarding, I don't know a lot of the skate guys outside of the guys that are on the first Tony Hawk and 64 game. Like Which Muska. I have in my house, your, your copy. Oh yeah, you have my N64. Casper's learning how to play Tony Hawk. Warms my heart. He's just turned to Ollie mostly, but he's kind of bummed out because he played the PlayStation 2 version and we started playing the Nintendo 64 version. And he's like, Where's the blood? <laughs> but the soundtrack is Rena's like, unbeatable. Rena's like, yeah, Should true. he keep playing this game? I'm like, No, this one has no blood, babe. This is the non blood version. The non blood version. I think you can turn it on in settings, though. Anyway, 
the uh, side note. So the Spike Jones thing I thought was interesting is that he, uh, when he was getting into directing music videos, he did a video for uh, the Far Side, the hip hop group, and he brought them this idea where he's like, I think we should record this new single of yours, but do the whole video backwards. So he actually had his production company reverse the track and then brought it to them for the pitch meeting. And they were all like, yeah, we'll do it. And so they all learned how to wrap their parts backwards. So when you wow. watch the video, it's all shot in reverse, but it looks like they're wrapping their parts properly because similar to what Tom York did, they learned their parts in reverse. Yeah. So the mouths match, but they're all like moving opposite. Didn't, didn't Coldplay do that with the scientist? Too. Yeah, but rap is that's the next level to be able also, to do a rap. These backwards. are both videos. Tom York learned how to sing his melody backwards, which is crazy. Which is and to re to then flip the recording that that's wild. Yeah, and you can kind of tell even like because there are certain things that like require linear time, you know, like like certain sounds, and so you can tell even in the recording that like it's backwards, like it sounds weird. That's cool. I never knew that part was. I just thought it was a guitar part, but that's yeah. cool. I learned something today, you guys. <laughs> So um, another one is Knives Out is sort of a spiritual uh, sequel to Paranoid Android. Again, I'm not going to nail the story, but I've read a few accounts of Johnny Greenwood playing his part from Paranoid Android and liking the, the shape of the chord in the guitar and just playing with it. And then the band just starting to jam with it and, and the song turning into Knives Out, which is a great song. And um, also a very entertaining movie, which I always wondered, do you think he just was like, I like the Radiohead song, I'll call it Knives Out? Yeah, but I don't know. It's got to be. I mean, well, is good. Knives Out like a term... Uh, I mean, let's get Ryan on the podcast, man. Ryan Johnson. Hey, Ryan Talk Johnson. Talk about Star I know you Wars, mm -hmm. Knives Out. Mm -hmm. Ryan, come on the Sorry podcast. Sorry about all the stuff I said about Last Jedi in the first episode. Uh, so those two, I'm, I mean, another musical treat, it's it's a little more of a convoluted one. It's just the amazing time signatures that Radiohead works with. Pyramid Song being a great one is that there's times when it feels like it's really weird timing, but it's actually just straight time, and there's times in that song where it I'm sorry. Well, where, where's <laughs> Can I just point out that all of your musical treats are from Amnesiac and not Kid A? Oh, I just haven't got to my Kid A <laughs> ones <Okay>. yet. <laughs> nice try. Uh, but that, that's got some really interesting time. Do you know the time signatures in it? Um, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of reading and I've heard different, um, different arguments about um, some people say that it's, it is a time signature and other people say it isn't. It's actually just kind of random. Um, and, and Tommy York just kind of sat down and played the piano part and then they, they, they wrote the rest of the arrangement they around that, which yeah. is similar to actually like, if you know, um, Sufjan Stevens um, concerning the, uh, the UFO sighting in Highland, Illinois. That's a, a, a song that everyone's trying to figure out. But actually, again, he just kind of played random stuff and then built the track around it. That is a very hard one to follow. Yeah. Sufjan Stevens one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not very good at musical time signatures as is. But Radiohead likes to mess with it, so I wouldn't be surprised if Tom York just was it him that he played the piano. Yeah, yeah if he did it and they just recorded, that probably is what they did. He also wrote 
um, Pyramid Song the same week that he wrote Everything in Its Right Place. That makes sense because those two feel very similar to me. Interesting. Yeah. They have very yeah. similar chording. And actually, he was intending to do both, like just transfer both onto synthesizers, like Everything in Its Right Place, but decided actually that the Pyramid Song was just a better song on piano. Good choice, Tom. Um, another interesting tasty treat, and I, I don't know why I don't have the song name written, but Hunting Bears on Amnesiac. Uh, there's a f- EP that came out after, it might be, I might be wrong, it might be a different one, but there's actually a companion track that if you push play at the same time, uh, Hunting Bears, like, uh, Hunting Bears and another song, I cannot remember the name of it. You push play and they're, they're actually a musical, uh, they play, play together. Kind of like Zurika by uh, Flaming really. Lips or something like that. Yeah. Interesting. Which is always interesting, like, to do that as such a nugget for the fans. That's very uh, interesting. Um, you're a nugget for the fans. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're not the first person that's told me that. Um, the only other things I really wanted to bring. Again, there's a lot of um, amnesiac in those descriptions. I just want yeah, to Yeah. Another out. black eye on uh, <laughs> our Duke it out. Okay, so motion picture. <laughs> Uh, the harps that come in, they're overwhelming in the recording, and they're just beautiful, and I just think it's amazing that they could incorporate harps into their music. It just sort of takes over the song at the end of motion picture. I think that that is, you know, like how often do you just hear harps other than like in a movie when someone dies and goes to heaven and they play harps. It's like, it's so cool to hear harps on a record. Um, my other, one of my most favorite moments in all Radiohead songs is about the four-minute mark in the song Idiotech. just like i don't want to call it like a jam session or like a vamp but it's just they just ride out the chords and they just play with the themes and i think it's like a a very strong moment in the radiohead catalog of just awesome instrumentals Mm, the end of the song optimistic the song sort of ends Mm -hmm. and then it breaks into this weird like disco funk Mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys know what i'm talking about Mm It's such a great moment. It's just like optimistic is such an. It's called optimistic, and I know you texted me uh, today. You said uh, I've been listening to Radiohead a lot, and I, I screenshot that I was listening to Optimistic, and you said that's definitely not how Radiohead makes me feel. But the end of the song is just like this happy kind of funk jam, and it's so weird for Radiohead to do, but it, it's very fitting. Um, well, and and probably just to interject there that uh, in Vancouver in this point in time we've been having a very dystopian experience this last week where we um, are getting a lot of the smoke from the very uh, tragic forest fires that are happening along the west coast from California and Oregon and Washington and so our whole city is socked in like something out of a you know like 28 days later yeah yeah, it's uh it's it's very strange so listening to Radiohead all week has been 
it's like felt very fitting and also incredibly depressing. We already talked about tree fingers as well. I just think that it's cool to mention that that's all guitars and all guitar manipulated sounds, which is, I mean, just so cool because that it sounds like a bunch of keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also not the song Optimistic, I swear Tom York's is singing Dinosaurs Will Win in the End. Really, that's my kind of extents of Tasty Treats as far as this goes. I know a lot of them are amnesiac, but, you know, technically amnesiac was the Kid A recording session, so... <laughs> no, you can't cough out to that now. Um, uh, do you have any other ones to add? Um, yeah, I have a, I have a few. Um, cool. So, um, the song Polk Pole Revolving, Revolving Doors... Um, it, it's not my favorite track on the record. I, I do like it a lot, but it, um, it, it and it and it harkens a little back to that same kind of burial UK electronica kind of thing. Um, but uh, they did this thing. I, I I think one of the first bands to like kind of experiment with auto tune, where Tom York just re- read um, um, like in a he ta- he spoke the a poem or lyrics that he'd wrote, written, and then they processed that through auto tune in a key. And autotune is just kind of always looking for any notes because because you still have tones even when you're talking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the reason the vocal sounds so weird is because the autotune is pulling to any notes that it can kind of find in his right. speaking voice, yeah. which is really really cool, I think, and and way ahead of its time. Like people do stuff like that now a lot, yeah. but at that time. Well, and also in Kid A, this is also one I I, I forgot to mention. Um, they use this musical tool called the Chaos Pad in Kid A. Oh yeah. Or sorry, Kid A, uh, the songs, everything is right at right place. Where it's kind of like almost a square pad where you wherever you pull your finger, it does different effects to your vocals. Mm-hmm. And and you can hear his voice doing really strange things in that one. And he's manually uh playing with this thing called a chaos pad in oh, that crazy. song. Which is really cool because um it's it's a performance, right? Like you can't do the same thing twice ever. So yeah. it's kind of unique. And I, th- yeah. I I believe when I saw them on the uh, Hail to the Thief tour and they played this song, he had one on stage and he was playing with it for quite a while. Yeah. That's another point I wanted to make about why Radiohead is Radiohead is such a great band. Is I, I, I've been watching a bunch of stuff with Ed O'Brien lately and they don't, they don't use any tracks or clicks live. So, right. and they don't have any extra play. Like a lot of, nowadays, there's so many tracks in live shows. Like you... Half of what you're hearing on stage is an MP3, basically. Um, but Radiohead doesn't use anything. They and they only have the five members on stage able to contribute to this to the song. Sometimes Nigel Godrich too. Really live? I oh. saw a video of him playing Shaker with them once. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that could be true. It was but, everything in its right place, and he was playing Shaker. So d- even beyond everything that they do in the studio, they they still keep in mind their live show. Which for me, I just throw that out. Like it's like I'm just going to make a great record and figure it out later, kind of thing. Whereas for these guys, they actually like make these amazing, like immersive records, so and then cool. count on knowing how to play them completely live. That's also. wild. Um, the other thing I was gonna say is the uh, oh, you and whose army was for a long time when people would be like, "What's your favorite song?" I would say, 
you and who's you and whose army by Radiohead. I just love I love how it starts so kind of like sad and then it just kind of bursts out at the end um yeah, that song's almost whimsical yeah it's weirdly yeah nice yeah I yeah just, <laughs> I just showed Jordan that was one of my uh two uh tasty treats as well yeah. I love it's a beautiful song yeah well you're you're gonna say this too but he he's saying through an egg carton which again like I've always wondered how does he get that sound they were, they were going through kind of like a, a 1940s like doo-wop thing in alt in an alt rock form um which is really cool um and the other thing i'd say is you know um knives out is a song that they wrote um inspired by the smiths and so a lot of the guitars are really reminiscent of the smiths and actually johnny greenwood got to play the song to um johnny marr of the smiths um before it came out and I don't know. I I I'm not like a giant Smiths fan, but I like that Radiohead is still influenced by other bands. And mm. like Gail's a big fan. You saw Johnny Marr live, didn't you? Oh yeah, I uh, I love the Smiths. Yeah, and Johnny Marr is like for how Morrissey's kind of gone off the rails, especially the last few years. Like Johnny Marr is the coolest dude. Mm. Like and he's got a very cool unique guy. guitar style, so I can see a guy like Johnny Greenwood. Well, and he can sing, dude. Being like inspired. he when he played here, he played. The Vogue, and he did a bunch of Smith songs, and he can sing, not exactly like Morrissey, but enough where you're like, "This is awesome." Hmm. I was very impressed. Um, Jordan, did you have another tasty treat? Um, My other tasty treats would be, I mean, um, I would say, okay, I mean, this is just like really music nerd stuff, but as a a producer or somebody who, yeah, makes music every day. Um, everything in its right place, that synth sound, is um, something that I think has been chased by, like, every producer ever, and no one has actually been ever been able to do it because it sounds so organic and natural. And I actually, for a long time, thought it was maybe like a Rhodes or something because it just sounded so not synthy. Um, and no one can ever put their finger on it. It's this elusive, amazing huh. synth sound. It um, is beautiful. It's so warm and yeah, luscious. And what song is that on? That's that's everything in its right place. That's on, on everything in its right place. Gotcha. When Tom Cruise wakes up in New York's empty. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's yeah. That song is incredible. It's such an that's an, a wild opener. Yeah. Yesterday I woke up sucking on lemons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. That's I think that's a great lyric. That's, I love that lyric. Again, like a little on the nose, Tom York. Like, stop being so sad. Yeah, uh, it is so sad. <laughs> there were definitely organic lemons. They were probably flew fl- flown in from. I have a very very small detail I will pull out of this story, mm-hmm. but um, for not being an admittedly uh, huge Radiohead fan, I felt very uh, privileged. I got asked a couple years ago to. Uh, be a part of this like um, storytelling night that happened at the um, H.R. McMillan Planetarium here in Vancouver. 
And it was called Record Club. It was by Lizzie Carp, who is also um, uh, her partner is behind Kelly and Kelly. They do. Uh, they came out with a podcast that's great called Record Club. Yeah, great podcast. And I told a story about Radiohead that night, and part of my story was um, speaking about our friend Johnny Potker and the time he spent in Europe. And he was at a pub with his wife and a couple friends, our friend Amanda. Um, and they were at this, like they, Amanda was living in Oxford at the time and, uh, they went to this pub and she's like, oh yeah, sometimes Tom York's here. And they went out for a beer there and Tom York was there. Wow. And, uh, they went up to get like a round of ciders or something. And our friend Johnny is very, um, like just will speak his mind wherever. And he's also someone who's not afraid to kind of follow his like, oh, if it's a good idea, I'll, I'll just do it. And also a fan of Radiohead. And he, yeah, and he and he liked Radiohead, and he saw Tom York, and Tom York was sitting in a booth by himself, writing in his notebook, and Johnny went and ordered a beer, and then he decided to get a beer for Tom York, if I'm remembering it correctly, and then he took it, and then he went over to the table and, and basically introduced himself to Tom York, and Tom York was like, oh, hey, kind of waved high, and then went back down to his notebook, and Johnny... <laughs> said he looked over and Tom Mark was just drawing like concentric triangles in his notebook like over and over and over again like, just I, always, like I always have a hard time believing that part but I want to believe it's true I I was wow. it's isn't that like the most Tom York thing yeah. you can imagine it like, just feels too true to be true and so Tom York he was something I forget what he asked him he's like, like leave me alone I'm drawing my triangles no he, Tom York was like Johnny said something to him and he was like, oh yeah, like help yourself or like something kind of offhand. And I think Johnny mistook it and thought he was inviting him to sit down. So he sat down next to him and, and no. I think put the beer in front of him and Tom York just looked over at him and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Basically. And he's just <laughs> like, oh, sorry. I thought you wanted me to sit. And he's like, I, I think he said something to the effect of like, can't you see him working? But then he also, he felt bad because he felt like he was being rude. Something like that. And then Johnny goes, oh, sorry, man. And he went back outside. That is like, my recollection of it, which like Johnny did the ultimate, like basically like sat down next to Tom York, writing in his journal at a pub in Oxford. And he was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> wow. And the, tri crazy. the triangles is my favorite. Part I would never that. forgive myself. I mean, like if I saw Tom York, I'd be like, well, I have to try. You know? Really? I just, I'd be like, dude, I wouldn't, I, I think I would be like, I would rather just be able to tell the story that I saw him well, than be like, Oh man, I, I just made him hate me. I don't want Tom my, to. My hate friend me. Brent no. went to a Radiohead show, and his friend was working security and got him backstage. and And he saw Tom York, and he said, "I got to talk to him." Like, Tom York has meant so much to me. And he said, all night he was building up this confidence, and he went up and he said, uh, "Hey, Tom." And Tom York turned and looked at him, and he was like, "Thank you for making your music. It just meant so much to me." And he said, Tom York just was like, "Oh, thanks." And then he's like, that was awesome. And then later, like, someone on tour with Radiohead was like, oh, yeah, he's, like, wasted drunk, by the way. <laughs> Tom York is, like, really drunk. So whatever he said to you, if it was offensive, like, and he's like, no, it was actually really nice. And that was his, like, full encounter. But, like, for Tom York to be like, hey, you bet, man. He, like, was, just, he was just like, yep, anyway. And, and for anyone who's listening, I put my arm on Jordan's shoulder, which is very muscular. Wow, what you benching these days? Nothing. Uh, no, I, 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 I feel like I'd have to. I'd have to be like, Tom, thank you for all Again, as a little side note, I have a story similar. Uh, it's not Tommy York, but um, 
one time in, I was living in Calgary with my, we were at the Fairmont for Mother's Day and we went in um, for the brunch and uh, Julian Casablancas of The Strokes oh, yeah. was there because um, The Strokes, I didn't know, but The Strokes were actually playing that night and I walked up to him and my sister was with me, Vanya. How old, how old were you at the time? Um, probably uh, 17, 18. Oh, perfect age. But a, like a big Strokes fan. And anyway, I walked up to him and I was like, hey, it's Julian, right? And he was like, yep, but didn't look up. Just kind of, you could tell, so annoyed that someone was walking up to him. I was just, and Vanya ran away. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> see you later, man. And uh, <laughs> then later I was like, that was so dumb. Like, I ruined this. And so then he was up at the buffet again. And I walked up to him and I was like, hey, I, I know you probably hear this a lot, but I just... Your music just means so much to me. I think it's just so great, and I, I really appreciate it. And he's like, no, you know what? I don't hear that a lot. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, Jordan. He's like, Is that, that's your girlfriend over there? I was like, no, that's my sister. He said, you guys want to come to the show tonight? I was like, yeah. He's like, "What's your write down your name. I'll put you on the guest list. And did he? What? Yeah. And then we went oh, to the Stroke Show that night. Dude. Oh, see? That's so cool. That is... Yeah. Oh. That must have been the best <laughs> Strokes concert of all time. And that he's like, oh, yeah, actually, I don't hear that a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, dude. That's, that's awesome. Because you know what? He's probably expecting someone just wanting to like take a picture with him or something. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, no, man, I actually really like your music. And he's like, that's oh, so great. Thanks, man. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that makes you so happy. I mean, I imagine for a guy <laughs> oh. like Tom York now, like, Tom could York Tom York go around and not be recognized? Probably. But at this point in his life, at this point, he's probably so sick of having musical conversations with people and like here. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, do you ever watch Meeting People is Easy? The Tom, the Radiohead documentary? Mm -mm. It's around the time of OK Computer. It's a documentary on them, which is like utterly depressing. It's just like them being harassed. There's footage of him playing in Japan. They're playing Creep and he's like... I don't know if he's just acting for the camera, but he's literally like saying, I'm a creep. And then he's just like holding the mic at this like angle, like with a look on his face, like someone farted in his face. Like he's just like, Ugh. and the crowd's losing it, loving it. And he's like, and it's such an interesting documentary because the whole thing is just like them being overwhelmed with fame and they just want to keep making cool music. Like it's just... Michael Stipe's in it a bunch because apparently they're really good friends and hmm. he's kind of a mentor to Tom York. And anyway, he's a mentor to Tom York. Oh. Well, I actually, yeah, I guess yeah, they toured together when I saw when uh, did, were you at the um Thunderbird Stadium? Hills they, of the Thief? Yeah, yeah. So the night before, uh, REM and Wilco had played. Oh, and the next night, and then again, I didn't, when they I played, um, when they played uh, Karma Police. Michael Stipe came on stage and sang. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. He sang, this is what you get. That's good. That's great. It was pouring rain, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And my friend always, awesome. my friend always tells the story that it started raining during, uh, during Paranoid Android when it said rain down. I'm like, no, it was raining the whole time, dude. <laughs> but he always tries to make they it. They have a lot of rain because they also have that Hail to the Thief songs like, the raindrops, the raindrops. Wait, sorry. The raindrops. Was that the show they played at Thunderbird Stadium? Yeah. Were you there? Yeah. Were you there? Yeah. 
I was there. Ah! Really? I was there for that shit too. Do you, you guys, guys remember when when the fans, it was running so hard, people knocked down part of the wall at Thunderbird Stadium and then ran through the wall and then through the trailers? Did you guys do no. that? There was like so many people streaming out of um, the Thunderbird Stadium at that time that there were a bunch of people that were like shaking the chain link fence that had this sort of like partition wall set up and they ended up knocking it over. And I feel like, 300 people just streamed through it, including me and our, you know, friend of the pod, Matt Walco, and a few other people. And we ran through it. And we, did, we were running through where the trailers were, and then we ended up running to our car, and we were soaked. But it was like an epic end to that show. And I, at the time, even then, I was like, I didn't know half the songs, but I like, I was blown away with their performance. But like that, that was night show. was nuts. Was uh, the song you're talking about is Backdrifts, right? Yeah. Yeah, great song. Great so, song. Okay, let's. I've uh, one. I've one musical treat. Yeah. Uh, so my one musical treat is the trumpet from "Life in a Glass House" from uh, mm. the final song on Amnesia. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, a great song. And I picked this one because it's one of the songs that stuck out to me the most um, from Amnesiac. And I thought the story behind it was really interesting. That Humphrey, I'm going to butcher this name, but L- Littleton. I think it's Littleton. Yeah. I think it's Littleton, and he. Uh, said that he got a call from Radiohead that they were, quote, a bit stuck. And so he agreed to perform on a song after his daughter showed him OK Computer. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, all right. So he showed up, and Radiohead told him that they didn't want it to sound like a slick studio production, but a slightly exploratory thing of people playing as if they didn't have it all planned out in advance, end quote. And so his suggestion was, why don't we do it like a New Orleans jazz funeral? And so oh, cool. he said it took seven hours to record his part. And he was exhausted. And he was like, I think in his 70s or 80s or something. And the quote I have here is he said, I detected some sort of eye rolling at the start of the session as if to say, they didn't say it, but as if to say we were miles apart from what they wanted. Uh, But then he goes on to say, Radiohead went through quite a few nervous breakdowns during the course of it all, just trying to explain to all of us what they wanted. But they ended up with that amazing part. But I just, I have this image where they're like, they have him in. And that was actually, Jordan, a question I had for you that I'd written ahead of time. And as a producer and as a, as a musician, and Lucas, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts too. But mainly for Jordan, this is something I find so hard to pin down. Like, and, I, and I don't want to put you on the spot. But how do you know when something isn't working in the studio? Like, how do you know, like, if you're like, I have this vision, like, say you're working on a song, even say one of your own songs, and you're like, I have this vision for a trumpet part, and you have someone come in that plays trumpet, and it's completely off base from what you want. Yeah, would you go seven hours, or? Like, well, how do you align that to what's in your head? Like, is it, like, something very specific, or, like, I need to move this trumpet player towards this very specific thing? And I imagine, obviously, it's different depending on the song. Or is it just, like, you're like, I have a feeling of how this should feel, and I'm trying to get them towards that feeling. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. I would say, like, 90% of the time, you actually just don't know. And so you just kind of go with what happens. Hmm. But yeah. maybe, like, 10% of the time, you have a... And, and this is, I mean, maybe Radiohead is more than 90%, because I, uh, I've heard that the kind of their recording philosophy is, like, don't think if you think you're fucked. That's what I've heard Tommy York say before. So... I think a lot, and um, yeah, I would say that like so. If, like for example, on this last record, and it's not anywhere near as kind of inspiring and as experimental as Life in a Glass House, but um, we had this piano part um, for this one song that I have called "Surprise Not Surprised," 
and um, it's really fast. And I wrote it actually on the computer with like fake piano. So it turns out it's actually really hard to play in real life. And so we brought in, we had two different like professional piano players come in and play the song. And every time we were just like, it just isn't right. And I can't explain it, but we were just like, it's not working the way that they're playing it. Um, it's, it's, it was like, it's, it's so fast that it almost has to be perfect. So we ended up just using the fake piano. The, the MIDI track. The MIDI track that I wrote originally. And we, we did a bunch of things to make it seem real. Like we layered in um, a, a lot of the high frequencies from the real piano player playing so you can hear the hammers actually moving and stuff. I gotcha. Um, wow. So, but those, so those kinds of decisions, every once in a while you have a thing where you're kind of like, this is really special and I have a very specific vision and I can't compromise on it. But I would say most of the time, for me anyway, I kind of have a vague idea of what I want and I just want to kind of roll with what the magic that happens kind of in the moment. So, it, that, that, I, yeah. I actually, I thought the exact same thing when I, when I read, because I, I read that story too about Littleton and um, I was a little bit like, wow, I can't imagine like seven hours just working with it. Like a jazz. full work day. Yeah. Of oh, just yeah. playing the horns and having a band be like, no, you got to do it again. Yeah. That's a lot of hours of that. Yeah. But they got something special out of it. it totally. Is. Yeah. Also, may I mention that you thought that Motion Picture, Picture Soundtrack was a better song than than Life in a Glass House. And I think you just pointed out that you were actually wrong. Well, <laughs> I think, uh, again, you've given us another <laughs> another black eye here. Another, I'm, just another kidding. I'm just kidding. I think, I think that the, 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 the reason I love Life in a Glass House so much is because it's actually just like a classic song, really. Like, it's, it's a really well-written song. It could have been written by, like, Paul McCartney or something. But when you... But the way that they arranged it just makes it so... Oh, yeah. Unique and weird and special, which is what I really love. Like, quality songwriting with really experimental arrangement. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, I think we uh, it's time for some trivia. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's do it. Okay, let's yeah. do it. So this is uh, Trivia Time, subtitled... Who is the real Radiohead head? So I will pose a question. I will be the officiator. I feel like Jordan's Lucas and win. Jordan will be the uh, the participants. For sure, you're gonna win. So number one, King of Limbs, true or false, is the name of an old oak tree, one of the oldest trees in Europe, in Wiltshire's Savernock Forest, near where Radiohead recorded in Rainbows. That's true. True or false? That's true. I'm gonna go with false. That is true. It's the only reason I know it's true is because I read it today. Well, <laughs> or yesterday, I read okay. it today. Question two, which is so cool. What a cool name for a tree. also the worst Radiohead record. I agree. I it's honestly my least favorite Radiohead record. A lot of people. Yeah. That might be their bad greatest hits. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, question number two, Radiohead has a surprisingly compelling live cover of Mambo Number no. Five. True or false? False. I think false too. It's false, yeah. <laughs> it's um, that really, you really had me thinking there for a sec. Uh, I, I, there was a different song in there that I was like, I'm going to switch it with Mama No. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Just because I was like, I was just curious to see if anyone would go for it. I am very good at this. 
Um, so this is a three-part question. So there, well, there are three answers uh, you could choose. So the average amount for Radiohead's album In Rainbows, um, which fans could choose their own price for, uh, was a two dollars or so, pardon me, uh, two pounds ninety p. B one pound. 15p, three, five pounds, 50p. And this is just in, in English uh, currency. But um, to note that when In Rainbows came out, Radiohead was one of the first bands to put a record up for uh, pay what you can donation. So uh, again, I'll re- uh, so it was A290, B. I bought the CD later. 115 or C550, uh, A, B, or C. B, I think. Okay. I think it's C. Interesting. Uh, the answer is A. Oh, shit. Two pound 90p. Well, that's interesting. Um, I actually remember reading somewhere that they got a lot more, that they made more on it than they would have if they would have just sold it in the store. That is that is factual. Which I which I think is true. The, the side note I have to it is that uh, 30% of downloaders were willing to pay something. Um, with the majority paying nothing. So 30% of the downloaders paid something, with the average being £2.90p. Uh, 1.2 million people visited the website in October 2007, which is wild. So whatever 30% of 1.2 is. Still it's a lot of change. Yeah, I imagine. And then also there's no record label taking a cut, so. It's just all them? Yeah. No. yeah. I think that kind of speaks to the downfalls of socialism a little bit, don't you? Anyway. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Not that I'm not that I'm a, a hardcore capitalist. I just think, you know, if everyone could support art, they probably wouldn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> they probably would just pay zero dollars. So, I mean, right now we just kind of let our government do most of it anyway, right? I like so. that Bandcamp is changing that a bit, especially with the Bandcamp Fridays, where you all the money goes to the artists. Like I've been buying a lot more stuff on Bandcamp because I, in in a weird way, like it. Would you say Jordan like is Bandcamp the most artist friendly? platform uh yeah i think it's the most artist friendly in that like if you want if like if, if people are like hey how, how should i get your record i'll tell them to get get it through Bandcamp. but I, that doesn't mean that i think about Bandcamp a lot i have to think more more about like spotify or something because it has more influence right okay yeah um well, great answer thank you uh so last question so you guys remember the famous video um for just where everyone's lying down on the ground helplessly next to this old man Oh, yeah. yeah, love that video. This is not really a true or false. This is just uh, what do you think is whispered in the ear of people in oh, that video? Yeah. Well, uh, according to Radiohead, it's nothing could ever be whispered because I googled it many times in the middle of the night. I, nothing could ever be whispered. Nothing could ever be enough to make people do that. But I'm pretty sure. So I, I do have an answer. I'm pretty sure he said. Uh, Aren't you tired? Have a nap. I don't, I don't know. There's nothing. Do you have any, any idea, Jordan? I don't know. Some like Nietzsche and like nothing matters kind of thing. So the uh, what the lone man whispers to the rest of the crowd is, do you know the booty man? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. That's not what he says. Oh, Jordan uh, doesn't know booty man. Oh, yes, you do. I showed it to you once a long time ago. 
the that that is just a that's a joke question. So Booty Man is just a, a stupid song that Lucas loves. But uh, no one knows. Do I love it? Or? Radiohead has never told anyone what they said in that song. First and worst. First and worst. First and worst. Section where we talk about our favorite and least favorite lyrics from either record. So uh, I feel like maybe for this one, um, maybe let's start with our firsts. Anyone want to? Uh, anyone want to start? Sure, I'll go first. Yeah. So my favorite lyrics out of both albums. I mean, this is really hard because Radiohead lyrics are not like simple, and that you can say like, "Oh, I like the way he said this thing." They're they're hard to understand at time at at, at best, and um, I really love. Um, the song Idiotech, it's one of my favorite songs by Radiohead ever, but I love the lines, uh, it's very repetitive, but if you put them on a line, it, I, I like the, the sentiment, how he's saying it, and I, and I know it's apocalyptic and you're not a big fan of that, Jordan, but, um, Ice Age coming, Ice Age coming, throw it in the fire, throw it in the fire, throw it on the fire, we're not scaremongering, this is really happening, um, climate change, y'all, yeah, Right? Yeah. But I just, I, I, I always really felt those lyrics when I heard them uh, as, as a teen, and I still feel them. And that's why I use, I don't use plastic straws. I, I will say that Idiotech's a, a song that I both really, really like, but it's also complicated for me in a very strange way because our friend uh, Jared Love recorded and filmed a uh, student film when we were at Trinity where he used Idiotech as the backing track, and it was a video of a guy in a suit walking around downtown Vancouver and just, like, kind of lying on the ground and, and sort of being all spaced out. And, oh, um, you're ruining it for me, dude. And it was, uh, yeah, it's just like Jared, I always associate that song with that video. If you're listening, Jared, you ruined it. Uh, favorite lyrics for you, Kel? Any any uh, firsts? So, yeah, so my, um, my favorite lyrics are actually uh, from... Morning Bell. Hmm. Um, and a lot of that was because I'm a Kid big a fan. Or, or Amnesiac, so that's no point on either side. I know it was a very partisan choice on, on my part. Uh, well but basically what I heard about this was like, some people thought this was about Tom Moore talking about um, an ex-partner of his. Uh, but on doing some research, um, he's actually, Tom York has said that the lyrics are actually describing the feeling he had of uh, a ghost being in the house he was living in at the same time. And his impressions of that were recorded on, like, he recorded on mini disc, which is wild to me. Um, and I love a good ghost story. I love stuff about ghosts. And when I heard that, when I listened to Morning Bell more, um, I really came to enjoy the song a lot more because it gave me a specific take on it. And I think the lines, you can keep the furniture, a bump on the head, I'm howling down the chimney, release me. I think I'm howling down the chimney especially. Like, I just find those... A lot of the lyrics he has are very kind of a little bit obtuse or a little bit strange, but like I really, knowing that's kind of the background of it, gave me a lot of uh, resonance with those. So mm. those would be my first. How about you, Jordan? Um, my my favorite lyric is from Pack Like Sardines in a Tin Can. Um, and I just think that the line... I'm a reasonable man, man, get off my case. It's just... Oh, yeah, I love that line. Yeah. So, so brilliant because it says something so clearly, but it still feels so original and unique. It's It also sounds... It's also like the kind of thing where I'm like, 
that song could have like spawned the national. You know, like oh, it, might, it might have. Yeah. Like that's exactly yeah. something that Matt Berninger would sing. Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indirectly. Keep bringing it back to folklore. Um, also, like the t- the the line, "I'm a reasonable man, get off my case." He says it, and it means one thing, but it also feels like it means a lot of other things. Yeah, too. yeah. It really feels like a lot of weight to it. I think that I, I mean, I from what I read, the the songs about kind of being just struggling with fame and just being um, kind of picked apart in media and just kind of being like after, after years of waiting, after years of kind of like kind of striving for success, um, I, I, everything has kind of fallen flat. Mm. And now I just want you to leave me alone. I just want to draw triangles in my book. Leave yeah. Me. I just yeah. Like, don't bring your beer to me and try and talk to me. I mean, I, I can appreciate it. Yeah. You know? Just and like that's the thing. You go back home, and you're like, I just want to be left alone. And now, but now you're you're Tom York, and you're fucking famous. Yeah, yeah very. And it's not easy to hide if you're. All Tom you have York. is your ghost howling down the chimney. Yeah, you know, howling down the chimney. My almost my least favorite lyric was, "I float down the levee." From uh, how to disappear completely. I walk through walls. I float down the levee. I almost had that as my least favorite lyric. Oh, really, that's interesting. And then I thought about, it, I was like. I think that's just because I don't know what levee means. <laughs> but howling down the chimney, floating down the levee feels very ghost-like. Did you think of Dan Levy? Is that why? Maybe. And I don't think he's very funny. Maybe that's it. As oh. a comedian. I'm just interrogating It's a Canadian classic. I'm just, well, there's, two Dan, there's two Dan Levies. There's, there's Eugene Levy's son, Dan Levy, and there's Dan Levy, the guy that's in the... Uh, oh, I was thinking of Eugene Levy. Why did I say Dan Levy? Dan Levy is from Schitt's Creek. Okay, that underrated. That guy's hilarious. Also the host of... Great Canadian Bake Off. Oh, I didn't know that. I should watch that. Yeah. I love him. Okay, so sorry, Dan. We didn't mean to. No, uh, Dan, I love you. you if you're listening, We're talking please about your be our next guest. Yeah. Whatever um, album you want. Okay. Worst. Let's hear your least favorite uh, lyrics. Or, oh, uh, okay. Um, well, this one feels sad because I love the song National Anthem, but um, everyone, everyone around here, everyone is so near. It's holding on. It's holding on. I just can't do it. Yeah. Every that, time that I bad. ever heard that lyric, I was like, I just feel like Tom York, I d- either I'm totally missing it. You just kind of phoned it Or in. you phoned this one in. Yeah. 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 Yours is better than mine, I think. Well, that's. Yeah. That's good. That, that's true. That is a bad lyric. And I think he said that song is about playing live, but I still just, oh. And I love that song, but every time I hear it, I'm always like, ooh, Tommy, Tom, Tom, Tom. Jordan? So my, mine is a tie. Um, I love a good tie. I actually don't... I actually think that um, the song uh, on a kid A, um, How to Disappear Completely, I think I'm Not Here, This Isn't Happening, is a little teenage emo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Personally, Um if I've always kind of wondered, like, oh man, you really showed your cards there, Tom. You know, I don't know. It, it's, it really sounds like something I would say as like a sixteen-year-old, like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm not here. This isn't happening. While I cried or something, it's my pillow. So th- there's that one. There's also actually, which is less clearly bad, but um, the, actually in the song "You and Whose Army," there's the line at the end that just goes, "We ride tonight. We ride tonight." Um, I, I like. I like the lyric, the way it, the the words sound, but I think that 
after I read that it was a very political song, I was a little bit cynical about this idea of kind of like, it, it sounds very kind of revolutionary, like, you know, I think it's about the songs about Tony Blair, who was the prime minister at the time, who ended up being a lot more conservative than a lot of people thought he was going to be. And so this kind of idea is like, I, I'm personally just like, I'm not a big fan of like kind of politically motivated kind of like revolutionary lyrics. Except and for so, Ray James and Machine. Yeah, because that's that's their shtick. You know? it's, it's, it's so like, angry. you're not going to ride tonight, Tom. No. You're not, you're not going to like... You know, start a civil war. Yeah, we love you, Tom. Um, it just seems a little dramatic to me. So those those two are, are two that I don't love. I would say uh, those are both great. Those are both great callouts. For me, it's it's kind of uh, it's, it's subjective, and you referenced it earlier, Jordan. But I feel like the lyrics on Polk Pole Revolving Doors. I just found um, like. I just didn't like, and mm. it's hard to explain why, but like there are barn doors and there are revolving doors. And then he basically spends the song just talking about different types of doors. Mm. And it felt like, um, he kind of was just hammering this metaphor for as much as it was worth. It, it felt like there could have been maybe a little more that he'd done with it, but I just felt like the, uh, the door metaphors got a little, just too much for me there. Mm. But I also get that it's the whole point of the song. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, just for me, like, I think the song itself is interesting, but the lyrics, I felt like if I'm just digging straight into the lyrics, that's some yeah, of my favorite. I get it. So, uh, Jordan, as the guest, why don't you start? What's your, um, what's your hero of either record? As in like the, the best track. Your favorite track, the standout What's track your song both, out of both albums. Both albums. Um, yeah, great question. Um, oh man, I mean, how could I not? How could my heart not jump into joy with? I've already said this kind of tonight, but everything in its right place. I mean. Everybody knows it, it's cliche, but it's just such an awesome song. It is so, it just, and, and such an awesome opener. Um, I might add to the album, today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, that's fair. I, I mean, yeah. Little Jeff. I've, I've already said that. That this is, this is the hardest thing about kind of fighting for Amnesiac, is everything in its right place. It's, it's, right, it's the right hand hook. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my, that, yeah, that's gotta be my hero. Uh, I, like I said also before, You and Whose Army, I think, is, is an awesome song. Um, my hero, I, I had such a hard time with this, is between Optimistic and Idiotech. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, at the end, I just, I love the song Idiotech. It's so awesome. It just, it's, it's there's song. no, I don't know any song like that. Like, could you play it in a club? Maybe, but everyone would be looking at each other like, what's going on? But I love that song. I love the lyrics. I love the music. I love the music video. I just think that song rules. I it's, love it. It's iconic. It's great. For me, it was between Tree Fingers and Kid A. And uh, I'm going to go... You freak. I know. I'm going to go with uh, Tree Fingers. Um, I know there's no vocals on it, but like that song is like very indicative of like a lot of the ambient music that I love. And uh, it's just like every time I've listened to Kid A, it's like I just think that song's really beautiful. Or do you just hate 
Tom York's voice. I don't hate Tom York's <laughs> voice. <laughs> no, it's a very but, beautiful uh, song. It, yeah. it reminds me of like Brian Eno's ambient one music for airports. That kind of vibe. It has a very like. And that's one of my favorite records. Gentle and yeah, soothing and also challenging. It's good. Uh, what's your what's your he- zero? So my zero is not going to be a big surprise, but my zero is also uh, for my kind of worst, but my zero song is Polk Pole Revolving Doors. Just again, oh because gosh. I just uh, found that song, didn't pull me in. I thought it was interesting, but out of both records, I just felt that was a song. And again, it's not terrible, but I felt like like that's speaking to the level of quality here, but I just felt like that was a song where I was like, I could have, I would have been fine without that Interesting. Song. Interesting. How about, how about you, Lucas? My zero is Dollars and Cents. I feel oh, like, no. I feel like that song is Radiohead wavering. It's the first I feel like I can hear them wavering. I just feel like really? it just doesn't make sense to me what that song's doing on that on such a great record. It huh. just it just feels to me like I don't what is this song doing here? Interesting. Uh it feels like the bass line is like doing some weird walkie thing and the guitar everything just follows from there. Uh, you like it, eh, Jordan? I, I love it, yeah. I, You know what's weird? I've I've never connected with that song. Maybe I'm a freak, but you know what? Just own it, baby. I'm a freak of nature. Yeah. What's your zero? Um, Okay, so, sorry. I, I'll just redo mine. Now Now I've kind of thought of mine. So, mine are actually both from Kid A. Um, and I would say my, my hero would actually be the song In Limbo. Um, I love that song. It's like the reason why it's a hero is that I have this like emotional kind of uh, like pattern recognition with it, where it's like every time I've ever heard that song, I've forgotten that it was there. But every time I'm like, yes, oh yes, this is yeah. exactly what I wanted. It feels like a very like do. it feels like the sequel to Optimistic to me. It's like very like connected to Optimistic. Yeah, it is totally. It's just, yeah, totally optimistic. It's kind of slow and almost kind of bordering on major and happy. But then it just kind of dun 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 dun. It's great. I'm on your side. Yeah. Um, and then I would say my zero would actually be, um, I mentioned it before in the lyric part, but how to disappear completely. I, I, I just don't, it, it feels just a little emo to me. I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit... Um, I never really connected with it because I always feel like I connect more with music that kind of pairs the the major and the minor together where there's sadness, but there's like a a little bit of hope Mm -hmm. and Radiohead's music. That's just completely kind of like darkness, which desolate. Yeah. It's, it's very desolate song and I'm not really into that. Yeah. So that's what I was saying. Very interesting guys. We're all, we had a lot of different uh, opinions on this, but I think that we have to just agree that Jordan's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I well, th- now we're at the point of the show. We're um, we're wrapping it up. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through this very interesting journey. So I think we have to uh, pick though. Do we have to pick? No, we don't pick a winner. So we don't pick a winner. I mean, like it's up to the fans to decide on our Twitter. Hit us poll. up on Twitter. Tweet about yeah. which one you think won. What's your vote? Vote on Twitter. Yeah, we. At I, that's actually KLGD. better. At uh, no, it's at album underscore vs. Uh, that's our Twitter Album underscore VS. Tell us what your hit vote us up is. on the Instagrams. Hit us up on LinkedIn. Hit us up on Zanga. You and know, we'll like tell you. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you next episode who won. That's it. Well, guys, I gotta say, um, this has been great. I really appreciate you guys bringing your oh, uh, your great. hearts 
to these two uh, sort of cousin records, and I think this has been a really fun combo. Mm-hmm. I have one last question for you guys before we go, uh, real quick. Uh, what are you guys vibing right now? What what's uh, what have you been vibing with re- recently? Uh, well, for me, Lucas, what I've been vibing is uh, peanut butter and celery. You guys remember that tasty treat when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. You put any raisins on that? No, I don't like raisins oh. on it. I just we're do not straight music. We're just anything you're vibing. This oh. is anything you're vibing. So, so I've done books a lot, but I've, I was trying to mix it Mine up. Mine is music. Because generally I'm music or books, but today I was like, I'm going to do something weird. And I've just been like, the last four days in a row, I've just had celery and peanut butter at three in the afternoon when I get snacky. And I got to say, if you haven't done it in a while, go get some celery. A lot of protein, not a lot of carbs. <laughs> it's delicious. I, isn't celery like a nutritional? It's yeah. what I read somewhere. It's like water. It, yeah. it's it's like, more, it takes, <laughs> it takes more, uh, it burns more calories to eat it than yeah. it gives you. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Lucas, what are you vibing? Uh, I'm vibing the concept of forgiveness. No. Um, <laughs> I've actually been really vibing. Um, Neil Young uh, put out a record called Homegrown, and it's not new, but I thought it was new for about the first two hours. I was listening to it, and I was mind blown. I was like, wow. Neil Young has still got it. And then uh, our friend Matt was like, no, this is from 1975, and it's a re-release. It's an awesome... No, no, it was never released. It, or sorry, an unreleased album that he never put out. Yeah. It's cool. It's definitely a bit sloppy because it's basically like demos, but it's cool. Like if you like Neil Young, it's it feels kind of almost like a maybe a follow up to like Harvest or something. So if you're a fan of Neil Young, I really I, I highly suggest uh, listening to uh, Homegrown. It's it's great. It's got some. My favorite song is uh, Love Is a Rose. That's great. That's great. Yeah. What are you vibing? Okay, we got yeah. one more. Jordan, what are you vibing? Um, right now, um, I am really vibing like <laughs> neoclassical music. So that's pretty much all I've been listening to. We, Can you I, give us some examples of neoclassical music? Yeah. So like music? some, like some uh, recos. Yeah. So uh, there's a guy called Nils Fromm who makes really Dude, great. I love Nils Fromm. Yeah. Um, Olafur Arnolds. Um, oh, who are some other? Jo- Johan Johansson, who recently passed away actually. They, sound, they all sound Icelandic to me. They are. They are all. Uh, actually, Nils, I think, is German. Um, but I, for some reason, I, uh, my wife and I just moved to a different part of the city, so I've been biking a lot because I'm right on a bike path, and I just am always drawn to listen to neoclassical music when I'm really biking. Cool. Where are you living in the city now? Um, we live in Strathcona at the, the big storage container building. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's great. Um, and so what I'm sp- more specifically really vibing with is uh, Olafur Arnolds has a record called remember uh what is it let me look it's remember called, me it's called remember but re remember. colon member and it's just awesome kind of neoclassical crossover beautiful instrumental music amazing yeah. that's uh that's a great what you vibing uh okay guys that's it that's uh, well before we go what's her what's her next album Oh, yeah, right, of course. It's just a me and you uh, episode, so what are, what are we doing? Okay, so uh, so we're going to announce our, our next uh, episode is going to be... So that you can listen to the album and be prepared for our next listen episode. Listen to the next album. Uh, so the next record we're going to do, it's, it's from the same uh, part of the pond as Radiohead, Uh-oh. but from a much more modern uh, artist. 
we are, for our next episode, we are going to be doing Six Feet Beneath the Moon by King Cruel. Oh! Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Jordan, thank you so much. It's been an amazing guest. And, uh, you know, search for Jordan's music, but also, Jordan, aren't you going to come up with a podcast soon? Yeah, I've been working on this. uh, I mean, I guess everybody in COVID is making a podcast now. Probably, yeah. I'm doing one with my old pal, Justin Bills. It's called That Was the Worst Podcast Ever. It's a uh, Sufjan Stevens podcast. Great name. Um, And uh, we just go through all Sufjan's records and talk about them and um, pretend to know what we're talking about. Um, That's what we do here, so perfect. Because what the world needs is two two more white guys pretending to know what they're talking about. And you know what? <laughs> I can subscribe. I can subscribe. I can subscribe. I can subscribe. Subscribe.